Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. Today we're wrapping up a series. This is a series we've been in for the last 10 weeks, right? Some of you are like, man, I'm so grateful it's over. Others are like, don't stop, right? It's been such a great series, but the series is entitled The Power of Choice, Choose Wisely. And we've been unpacking and looking at different choices that we can make. And uh, today I'm going to ask a question, and I think I may know the answer to this question, but if for those of you who are watching online, you can raise up a hand as well. Um, so here's the question. Are you ready for it? If you're in person, you can raise up a hand if this is applicable to you. How many of you in the room and watching online are in need of a vacation? Right? I have people in the first service who are like, just got back, but I need a vacation from my vacation. Right? Those of you with young children, you'd be, you may be thinking, um, there's no such thing as a vacation. We, we don't even call it vacation because we get exhausted. And so we just call it family time. And so we're going to have some family time because it's hard to be able to, to get out. Because here's what we say. When we, when we think of vacation, we think of rest. Right? I need a vacation says, man, I need to get away from the craziness, the hustle bustle, the rhythms, the routines, the patterns of work. And I just need to rest. I know for many of us in the room and for those watching online, man, we're working hard. We have family. We have kids. We have, we have extended family. Uh, there's extenuating circumstances or maybe struggles or trials that we're walking through. And so we may find ourselves all in the same boat this morning that we're looking forward to rest. And so here's what I know through the power of choice is that we can choose to rest. And some of you are like, it doesn't seem like it. Right? You tell my kid at 3 a.m. when they're screaming uh, because they had a nightmare or because they were hungry or whatever it was, like that we didn't get to rest that day. We can choose to rest. Maybe not in particular moments, but there are moments. And then today we're going to be even looking at how do we choose to rest for a day? And so parents out there, we salute you. We get it. I'm not sure how my wife did it, but there was a period of time where we had our three girls were all under the age of five. She did in-home daycare. And so she had a total of seven kids under the age of five all at once. Uh, we used to have a, what was it? Ford Aerostar, I think it was, the minivan by Ford. And uh, it was green. And when I say green, it looked very similar to the dream machine from Scooby-Doo. And so she would just load up all the kids and she would roll out and she'd pick up everybody and drive them all around. And she was like super mom. I don't know how she did it, but it was in those moments where I'd get home from work and she'd be like, can you just take them for a few moments? Because I need rest. And I was like, yeah, I got you. Right. And so we get it. We understand it. And I know we're looking for rest. Unfortunately, we live in a society um, that teaches and values being overworked. Right? And we celebrate it. We make it a value. Like, hey, we're, it, we're, this is so important to us that we're not, we don't work eight hour days. We work 12 hour days. And man, I get that. But healthcare professionals are even realizing now that, that one of the most common medical uh, ailments in our society is being overworked. CNN did a report and what they found out was that if, if you work more than 11 hours a day, for your job, that you are 250% more likely to become depressed than someone who works eight hours a day. 
I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble, right? Like, so you, but hear this on this. So what we're seeing is that we are overworked and we're tired. We have a driving force behind it. And there's many reasons. There's a ton of reasons that we would come up with of, of why we do what we do. And man, we, we realize that one of those reasons maybe we, we work so hard because it's a way we provide for ourselves. Right? It's a way we provide for our family. Uh, it's, a, it's a way for us to be able to, hey, we want something new. That means we have to work for it in order to provide so we can purchase what we want. And so we work hard. But we also know that, that sometimes our work becomes our identity. We think the nature of our work determines our worth. Did you hear me? We, we, we're like, oh, what I do will determine the, the value of my life. And you're like, no, that wouldn't be true. When you meet somebody for the very first time, typically the first question is, hey, what's your name? And then they tell you your name. What's the second question you ask them? What do you do? Right? What do you do for work? What's your job? What's your vocation? And so we want to know your name and then we want to know what you do. And sometimes we, because we know there's maybe a little bit of judgment that comes with it, we exaggerate a little bit. Like I saw a news, a news article and it was talking about uh, a position that was available with Pizza Hut. And so P- Pizza Hut was looking to hire like a, a shift manager. Instead of saying in the ad, hey, we're looking for a shift manager, they said, we're looking for a dean of pizza. Right? Like, no, you're going to make, no, we're the dean. Doesn't it, it just kind of ring. It has that, oh no, I need to have some prestige, some power. And so we're looking for a dean of pizza. Or you go to look for a job and you're like, oh man, I'm going to become a vice president. There's four employees, but all of them are called vice presidents. So I'm the vice president answering the phone up in here. Like I'm, I've arrived. And we see this because what we know is, is we have, we often see the value of our work is in the value of who we are. And so we want to work hard. But sometimes we overwork because we're type A personalities. How many type A's we got in the room, right? You are just driven. Like you, you're, you're like, hey, I'd love to rest, but I have a phone. Actually, this phone is more like an IV. And so it just feeds me. And, I, and so I have to return that text message. I got to return that phone call. I got to return that email. You've probably already checked your email three times since you walked in church, right? Because you're a type A. And he, but here's the thing is type A is like myself. That's me where I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I just don't want to let people down. I want to be able to meet or exceed expectations. And so I work hard and I push through because, because that's what I want to be able to do. But for whatever reason we can come up with, what I know is we're tired people. We're tired. And maybe you walked in tired. What I love about the word is it's applicable to all areas of our life. It's not just a, hey, give me this section, but I want to eliminate the others. This, this isn't a smorgasbord where you can just pick and choose. No, our, all of them are applicable to our lives. And so we can go to our text and see what does Jesus have to say about rest? What did God have to say about rest in his word? And so we can look at it and go, man, what kind of choice do I want to make? And will I choose wisely? And will I be empowered to choose Rest. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 28 through 30. Now, today may feel a little bit different. Uh, this, isn't, this isn't necessarily something you preach. It's more something you teach. And so it's kind of, be a, it's kind of have both elements in it. Um, but as we look at our text today in verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So he understands that we will be weary, we will be burdened, But he doesn't say, work harder. He doesn't say, go find the the New York Times bestseller on finding rest. He says, if you find yourself in a season, because there are different seasons in life. 
If you find yourself in a season of being weary, if you're in a season of burden, then you come to him and he will provide the rest. And the verse, it goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest. There's that word again, rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants to clarify, what does it mean to have a Sabbath? What does it mean to have rest? What does it mean to pause, to take a day and to be able to rest? There's a word in the Hebrew, it's nuach. This word means we rest, but we rest in God's presence. There's a difference like, oh, I just want to sit down and do nothing, which is restful. But then there's a moment where we take rest and we rest in his presence because it's in his presence where we experience the fullness of joy. And so we don't rest to just pause and say, because we're going to be lazy. No, we rest with a purpose, which is to experience his presence. And so we rest to say, okay, God, I'm intentionally taking this time to be able to just pause and rest in you. So Jesus fulfills a promise that we're going to see and we look in the Old Testament because Jesus is God's rest. When we're tired, when we are weary, when we are weak, when we are struggling, we can find rest in him because Jesus is God's rest. And then we see that fulfillment happening. So today we're going to explore the word. We're going to, we're going to look at, at some, some reasons, some whys, and some hows that we can rest. And, and unfortunately, sometimes we feel like Christianity just may be something else to do. But according to Jesus, the Christian experience is completed through rest. It's completed through rest. And so we want to be able to get into the word and say, okay, what does the word have us, have us to do when it comes to this idea of rest? Because sometimes in the church, right, we feel like it's more about what we're, what we're accomplishing, what we're doing, than rather something we're being. And I get, we sell, I mean, we just celebrate volunteer of the month and people who are working hard. And so we value that and we appreciate that, but we value rest. Because I mean, you ever walk, hey, what'd you do today? Oh man, what are you doing this week? Oh man, been really good. What'd you read this week? Oh, I read, you know, I read Matthew chapter one. That's awesome. You know what I did? I memorized the book of Acts, the whole thing, right? I had, I had a six hour long worship service, you know, just me and my neighbors. It was really good. It was great. I volunteered at a homeless shelter. Uh, the, the guy in the street, right? I went and met him and I took him food. I went, took him out to eat. I gave him a shower, paid for his haircut. It's just, just minimal things for Jesus this week. Because sometimes we associate, again, what we do instead of just being. And we need to understand that the most mature in Jesus are not those working hardest for him, but those who know how to rest in him. Was it good enough to repeat? I don't know. That's the question, right? Was it good enough to repeat? You see, the most mature in Jesus are not those working the hardest for him, but those who know how to rest in him. Now, some of you are probably thinking this morning, those of you who've been around Radiant Life Church for a long or an extended period of time, you're probably thinking, are you the right one, really, Pastor Lance, to be able to preach this message on rest? Because we already know you're not very good at it. In a little bit, we'll unpack. Rest can look different for other people. How we rest and how we connect to his presence is what's very important. And so we're going to unpack, what does the Sabbath look like? When, when God was talking about the Sabbath, what do we see? In, in two biblical Old Testament accounts, we see Moses explaining the purpose, the why of the Sabbath. And so let's turn to the book of Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now understand, what we're going to read is an entire commandment. There are 10 commandments. Some of them are pretty short, like thou shall not kill. Thou shall not lie. Like, oh, 
Those are really short, but they're very meaningful. And so maybe we shouldn't lie. Maybe we shouldn't kill because it's a commandment. Do you see the length of this text? I wonder if he's trying to get our attention when it comes to pausing and taking the day of rest. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath. And who does it belong to? The Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. God rested, and maybe we should follow his example. He rested, he paused. And maybe we should look at some of the reasons why. I'm going to give you three reasons why we rest. Number one is this. We rest to remind ourselves that God is the point of our lives. He is the center of the attention. He's, he's the point person in our life. And so we rest to say, God, I'm reflecting and I'm letting everyone know that you are it. It's a day where we recognize that God didn't create us to accomplish tasks, but to live with love for him. And again, I know that sounds a little crazy because if you're a type A, I'm all about the task list. I'm all like this week, I had 70, it ended up being 74 different things on my list to be able to get done this week. Some may take me a minute, some may take me hours. And so I'm like, no, I got to get through this list and I got to get through this list. But it was in that list this week where I went, I got to hit pause because people are always more important than projects. And so there were some people in the hospital and I had to go see them and I had, and, and it wasn't an obligation. It was the priority. Because sometimes you just have to hit pause to just be and to rest. And so God didn't create us to accomplish tasks, but to be in love with him. Studies show that, man, we can, we can endure some pain, some trials. We can walk through some tough things if we know the purpose behind it. And so we take the day off. We rest because we know the purpose behind it. You weren't created for a job. You were created for God. Right? When we talk about volunteering, right? when we're talking about like, oh, it's so great, and the best way to serve God is by serving others, there's a reason for that, because you were created on purpose for a purpose, and we want to partner with you to see that purpose fulfilled. And it wasn't just a, oh, we're just going to do nothing. No, you have a reason. And so when you know the purpose, then you will be able to dive into it. And so we know the purpose for rest, because God asked for it. It's on that day where we just, where we take some time and we reflect in who he is. It's a day to, it's a day to be rather than to do. That's what we're doing today. Just being in his presence. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is we, rem- we rest to remind us that God is the provider for our lives. He's the provider of our lives. This would have been very inconvenient for ancient Israel. This would have been a struggle because it wasn't like, oh, the grocery stores are open and so we don't need to harvest our food We don't need to worry about water. We don't need to worry about the animals. These were all things of the sustenance of their life. And so for them, this was saying, oh, you you want me to go without food. You want me to go without harvesting my crops. You want the crops to, to perish. You want them if we don't take care of them. And God was like, listen, you have seven days. You work six of them, but on the seventh, so one seventh of your week, I want you to pause the productivity in order to be able to trust that I am your provider. So he commands his people, this is what I want you to do. And at the end of the day, here's what I want you to understand, is I'm responsible for my part, not you. 
He is the provider. And do we trust him to be that provider? It's the Sabbath principle. You are going to work and he says it, you will labor for six days, but then on the seventh you rest because I will supply all of your needs. He's saying, listen, you're going to work and it's going to be great. And you're going to do what you have to do for those six days and you will have your income. But on the seventh day, I want you to rest. Now, I want you to hear that for a moment because sometimes we're like, oh no, listen, I don't need a job. God will provide. He said, you're going to work. And so you work and he provides. Unless some of you have this thing where all you get, like you check into your bank account and it's a direct deposit and it says straight from heaven. If that ever happens, that's probably a bank error. Um, But if it does happen and it's large, just share it and we don't have to report it to the bank. No, I'm just kidding. We don't do that, right? But here's the deal. That's not how it works. You work, you've you've arranged either a salary or an hourly wage, and then you work and then you get that deposit for your money because you work for those days and then you are blessed from that. But what happens is, is sometimes the mindset will creep in. I have to work in order to provide. I have to work as hard as I can in those moments because I need to trust myself and not in the Lord. And so this day of rest is about trusting in who he is because that is God's responsibility alone. We can take the weight off ourselves because we are dependent upon him. You see, the Sabbath is a declaration of trust. That's what the Sabbath is. Taking this day of rest is a declaration of trust. And so we see it as part of the commandments. And then we can turn over to the book of Deuteronomy. And he, and he talks about, Moses is now talking about the purpose of the Sabbath again. In chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, it says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and you do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither new you or your son, your daughter, your male, your female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. And so what do we see? There's this, this importance for us of rest. You see, the Sabbath was to give them space to reflect on God's salvation. Right? There, the Sabbath was meant to create some space. And so number three, if you're taking notes, why do we rest? We rest to remind us that God is the savior of our lives. We rest in order to say, God, you are the savior. It's an opportunity for us to look back and to reflect on our greatest need. Our greatest need was a deliverance from sin and God had accomplished that all by himself. Right? When you look at the text, if you look at verse 15, what does it say? It says that the Lord brought them out by his mighty hand. It wasn't the Lord brought you out by your hand. He brought you out by his hand. Right. And nowhere in there does it, do we play a part in that? It was all done by him for him and to be a blessing for us. What part did the children of Israel play in the Exodus? Like, was it their plan? It was God's plan. Right? Was it one of those things where it was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to need your help, children of Israel. There's going to be these plagues. And so we're going to make the Nile look like blood. So here's what we're going to do. I need you to go get all the flour you can and some red food coloring. And then we're going to throw it in the water and it's going to look all bloody. It'll be great. Nope, didn't happen. Like, hey, this is what we're going to do. I want you to go down to the water. I want you to collect all the frogs and I want you to throw them on Pharaoh's porch. And then on the third day, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go cow tipping and it's going to be great. No, he didn't say anything like that. It was all done by him. No part, 
right? You think about as we, we were talking about the song, right? We sang the song and, and so there is this exodus and now there's freedom. And so what do they do? They get to the sea and it's like, we can't get across. The enemy is coming. What are we going to do, right? It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt and die. Than, and, and now all of a sudden it's like, God was like, listen, I got this plan. You walk into the water and, and, and hundreds and millions of you on this side and you blow with your mouth. And then all of you on this side, wave with your hands real fast and the waters will part. He didn't ask them to do anything. He did it. He did it. And so what we see is he truly is the provider of all things. Moses was saying, listen, if God took care of our greatest need all by himself, don't you think he can take care of the day-to-day by himself? If he took care of the greatest, the largest need that we had, which was a separation from our heavenly father, and he moves in such a way, don't you think he can take care of us? There was a deliverance that only he could do, and he did, and now will we trust him with the day-to-day needs? Because in verse 15, Moses tells them that on the Sabbath, they were to reflect, reflect on this new relationship. He's like, man, we were in bondage, we were slaves, but now we're a part of the son, and so there was this cruel reign of the Pharaoh, but now you're under the tender care of the father, and you can trust him. And it's time we stop thinking like slaves and start thinking like sons. Right? We're not, we don't have to be slaves to anything. Like I love Recovery 836. We can find freedom and don't have to be a slave to anything that we can walk in the authority and the power and the victory that Christ has already won on the cross for each and every one of us. So now you, you see there's the reasons. We had three reasons that we could rest. But how? How do we rest? How do we find rest? So I'm going to read you two lists. Pastor Angel and I had a privilege of taking a three-day spiritual retreat uh, last year where we just, we just got away, right? We went to Savannah, Georgia. We just, a three-day retreat of just connecting with the Lord. We were in the word and worship and prayer and just kept our cell phones away. And, and we just would wake up early and just spend time in his presence and just seek him and say, God, what do you have for us? And what do you want us to do? And we just want to rest and we want to experience your presence. And so we, we were journaling some things. And, and one of the questions was, what would your perfect day of rest look like? And so we, what we did, the crazy thing is we both answered it but we didn't answer it together. We answered it separately. And then we came back and then went over our answers. I'm going to read those lists and I'll let you figure out whose list is whose. You ready? It's going to be very hard for you to figure out, especially with the first word that I read. So what is, what is a day of rest, the perfect relaxing day for you? First word on the paper, beach. Beach. Nice meals historic architecture, being outdoors, a comfortable bed, being with my family, a pool, a boat, listening to podcasts, a massage, watching shows, going out to eat in a quiet place, meeting with friends, reading or writing, or even coloring. That's one list. You ready for the second list? Wake up. (laughs) That's it. Perfect day of relaxing is waking up. Uh, Worship, prayer, the word, Exercise, yard work, hiking, reading, watching TV, um, doing projects around the house, uh, helping others. Um, Let's see, what was the last one? Oh, that was it, helping others. So those are two completely drastically different lists. So when we sat down and we went over them, I read my list and my wife looks at me and she's like, yours sounds like work. And I was like, and yours sounds like torture. 
Who wants to go to the beach? Right? Come on. I didn't get this complexion. No, I'm just kidding. But here's the deal. Is, is at the end of the day, what we realized is both of us rest, but we rest differently. And so for me, when I talk about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I put earbuds in, I will put on worship music and I will cut the grass. When I'm done, I feel so rested because rest, rest for me is spending time in his presence. It's getting away from the busyness, the rhythms of life and saying, God, I just want to spend time with you. And it's in those moments that I am fueled up and ready to go. Like for me, like, oh, just float in a pool on a raft for three hours. No. Lobsters are great to eat. It's a bad color to be. We're packing for vacation. Six things of sunscreen. Six. And I walk into the room and I was like, sweetie, where's the rest for the rest of the family? Like, that's just mine. Like from 50 all the way down to 15. Like you just cover in daily. Like I just, I just drink it and then it just oozes through my pores. And so I'm protected at all times. So it's like, we look at that and we're like, we're going to rest, but we rest differently. And that's okay. She's like, so you're saying if I'm floating in the pool and you're doing yard work, we're both resting? And I was like, absolutely. Absolutely. Because what we're both doing is connecting to his presence. We're doing nuach. We're resting and saying, God, I'm here for you. Now, that doesn't mean I, I don't have downtime. I will stop. I already told you, I watch dumb TV. That's how, I'll rest, just watch. You're like, what do you, I, listen, right now. I mean, it's on Wicked Tuna. Like, who doesn't like to watch them catch fish? And here's the crazy thing. They catch them the same way, the same time. Like it doesn't change. It's like, oh, look, a tuna on the boat. Let's go get the price. Let's look at the core. Let's look at the tail sample. Don't I look, I'm like a salesman. But for me, all I'm doing is going, I'm just slowing down. I'm just slowing down enough to be able to decompress. And so what do we need to do? We need to rest. Real fast, I'm gonna fly through these. How can we rest? I'm gonna give you three or four. Are you ready for them? Here's how we can rest. Enjoy the break. I wanna give you four things you can enjoy. Enjoy the break. Take a break from the broken rhythms of life, the hardships. Just set time aside to honor Jesus in your life. Did you know that in 1879, we used to sleep 11 hours a day? So anytime from the period before 1879 and earlier in history, we would sleep 11 hours a day and that was normal. Does anybody know what was invented in 1879? The light bulb. The light bulb's invented and now we have more daylight. We have more time to be able to work more. And so we just sometimes need to enjoy the break. We're not human doings, we're human beings. And so just rest. The second thing you can enjoy is enjoy his presence. Spend time, that's what we're doing here today. Like, do you understand that? That's, what we, that's why we gather, is to enjoy his presence, to nuach, to rest in his presence, to receive from him, to worship him, to lift him up, to spend time with him, to rest in his presence, to find his wholeness, to experience his healing. But that's, that's available when we enjoy his presence. And so we pause and say, God, I'm here for you. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to leave without hearing or experiencing you. And so we can enjoy his presence when we rest. When we just take those breaks, this is a holy day. It's a day to reflect and to worship him and to God, thank you for who you are and what you've done in my life because we could never thank him enough. We could never thank him enough. So we wanna make sure we enjoy his presence. Number three is you can enjoy the day with others, right? Extend rest to the world around you with family, with friends. Uh, uh, rest with, resting with others can replenish your soul. And I get it. For those of you who are extreme introverts, you're like, 
that sounds like a bad idea. Like resting and having people over will just, it will, okay, then don't. But maybe, maybe you're an extrovert and you're like, this fuels my tank. That like this is, this is so life-giving, man, that I want to, on Sunday after church, I want to invite people to go out to lunch with me because that is restful to me. Just experiencing companionship and, and having conversations. Then, then rest with others. Enjoy the day with others. We are relational beings and creatures. We need that. And then lastly, enjoy his, cre- his creation. We see in Genesis 1 and 2 that when he was creating and he finished, when he finished all of his creation, what did he say? It is good. It's good. It's good to get outside. It's good to get, to get into the, to the woods, to just hike, to see his glory. Because again, we weren't there at creation. We didn't create the beauty that we see around us. Like when the sun rises, you don't go, look what I did. I'm pretty good. When the sun sets today and you're heading west and you're like, I did, because I'll always tell my wife, I'm like, boo, look what I did for you today. I called in a little favor to the Lord. He like that cotton, cotton candy sky and those clouds and the sun setting. We had nothing to do with it. Yet it's all about the creator. And so in those moments, enjoy the creation that the creator has created. Go out for a hike, go out for a walk. We are so blessed to be in a a part of the world, right? Where we can, in our backyard, 15, 10 minutes away, right? We can just walk outside and be like, where am I? This is beautiful. But it's not about you, it's about who he is. And uh, I've preached this before from Psalm 29.1. It says, bravo, God, bravo. God and all the angels shout encore in awe before the glory and awe before God's visible power, right? You see that sunset and it's like encore, God, that is beautiful. Thank you for putting that there. Thank you that I can worship you as, a, as the creator because you are wonderful at your creation. And we see that in nature, but I wonder too, if we take time to see it in others. Because we're all his creation. Do we see the beauty in others? In their hearts, in their empathy, in their compassion. This morning it was so sweet. We had uh, one of our elders in her late 80s, approaching 90. She came down front for prayer and she, she said, it's not for me. She goes, I know a lot of people are, you know, making fun of what, what took place with this submersible device. She goes, but at the end of the day, there are families grieving today. And I just want to stand in the gap because they got to be hurting. I was like, you know what? That's why I love you. Because you're more concerned about others you've never met than any need you may have. And so we prayed and we interceded. So look look for that in others like their empathy, that grace and that heart and that, that willingness to, to love and to be loved. And so look for that in others. And so how do, we, how do we rest? We enjoy the break. We enjoy his presence. We can enjoy the day with others and we can enjoy his creation. You see, we trust God's invitation to come to him and truly rest. We become, uh, when we get into those moments, into those places, we can find his presence. I'll, I'll share this last thing and then we'll, we're gonna wrap up. Sabbath is not a commandment to ignore, it's a promise to enjoy. It's not something you just go, ah, not that one. Like the whole, I'm not lying to anybody today. I have no intentions of taking someone's life today, but this whole rest thing, no, ain't got time for that. Pause. 
pause to experience His presence. Pause to rest, to just take a moment and say, God, I'm grateful that you're the Savior of my life. And so today, we're gonna strategically do that. Uh, if, you, if you did not receive one of the communion supplies when you walked in, just raise a hand and one of our hosts would love to get one to you. But I'm just gonna ask you to, you can peel the top layer of paper off to get to the wafer and then you peel the next one off and you can get to the juice. So we're gonna, we're gonna take in the Lord's Supper. It's gonna be corporately and individually because in a moment, I'm gonna pray. The scripture tells us that whenever we do this, we do in remembrance of the Lord. It also asks us to do a, a, a heart check, to do some inventory. You see, that's not something I can do for you, only you can do for you. Where you say, God, whatever's in me, if there's something that would separate from me from you, I want, I want that removed. And this morning, this is, this, is not, this is not his actual body or blood. This is symbolic. What it represents is his body that was torn, that was beaten, that was flogged. So we could experience a wholeness the juice represents his blood, that without the shedding of blood, there, was no, there is no forgiveness of sin. So every drop we're grateful for because we were lost and hopeless, but because of what he did at Calvary, we can experience hope. But this morning, we're gonna just take it a little bit different because in just a minute, I'm gonna pray for the elements and Pastor Phil is gonna sing. And, and when he does, I'm just gonna encourage you when you're ready that you would take. But in the next minute, whether it's a minute, a minute and a half, would you just be able to take a deep breath and say, Lord, I'm here to rest. I just wanna to pause to experience your presence. So with the elements in our hand, let's pray. Jesus, we wanna make sure that as we come to you today to give you honor, to reflect on what you did for us at Calvary, we're doing it with a heart that's longing to pursue you. And so Father, just as you, Jesus, just as you did, at the Last Supper, you took the bread, you broke it, and you gave thanks. You took the cup and you gave thanks. Lord, we, we pause for a moment to give you thanks. Thanks for what this wafer represents, your body that was beaten for us. What you experience, the pain and the anguish, we're grateful that we didn't have to because you did. So we rest and acknowledge that you are our Savior. And Lord, the juice, what it represents symbolically this morning and every time that we do this in remembrance of you is your blood. And we're grateful for every drop that washes us white as snow, that when we come to your throne and say, Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me of what I said? Would you forgive me of what I've done? That that forgiveness is possible, that it's made, that there's a way because of what you did, or that, that, that forgiveness is there and that you no, longer, you no longer see it's as far as the east is from the west. It's buried on the bottom of the ocean floor. So we're grateful for your blood. So Father, today, as we pause intentionally for just the next few moments, but Lord, as we're challenged to, be, to walk in obedience to your word, and as we rest this day, this Sabbath, God, may the most important thing we rest in today be your presence. Because in your presence is fullness of joy. So help us, Lord, to be more like you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.